Thanks for tuning in to the Health Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Kerwin, and today I'm going to be speaking with Anna Escalada. Anna has a degree in food science, uh, is a registered dietitian and nutritionist in Spain, and has a master's degree in nutrition and metabolism from the University of Barcelona, which is where I met Anna many years ago. Uh, today, we're going to speak about plant-based and vegan diets, as both have become very popular diet choices for a number of reasons recently. Uh, Anna is herself a vegan and cites ethical and environmental concerns as being her main reasons uh, for being so. And while she works predominantly with non-vegan clients, she does help many people make the change to vegan or plant-based diets in the healthiest way possible. Uh, today, we talk about the difference between plant-based and vegan diets, uh, and the nutritional benefits they can provide and uh, even uh, we'll have a bit of a discussion about the nutritional discrepancies that need to be accounted for when following such diets. Uh, we also talk about the potential link of overly restrictive diets with eating disorders. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you enjoy it yourself and maybe even learn something from it. So if you do, I'd love it if you left a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Um, I massively appreciate it when uh, people leave reviews. It really, really, really helps to promote the podcast to other people. Um, so, on to this conversation with Anna. Let's talk science. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background in nutrition, how you got into it, and, and kind of what, what do you do now in, in nutrition? Okay, so I... I studied uh, a degree in human nutrition and dietetics. And as we said before, the equivalent in England is a registered dietitian. So it's a four-year degree. And after that, I took a degree on food science and technology. And then we took a master's together in nutrition and metabolism here in Barcelona. And after that, I always had uh, a part of me that loves numbers and needs numbers in in my life. And so I studied the first year of, of mathematics degree. And there I, I learned that programming is another passion of mine. So I, I spent this summer studying programming. And right now I am working as a programmer. And I am also working with clients that want some nutritional counseling. Okay. So you, you've got quite a, an extensive background and quite quite a, a varied background when it comes to just to, to a lot of different things. So you, you, your undergrad was nutrition and dietetics. And I suppose one of the, the important distinctions to make is that in, in Spain, okay, where you are, um, if you do a nutrition and dietetics degree, your title is technically um, a nutritionist dietitian in Spain, and it's the, it's the equivalent of being a dietitian here in the UK. Um, whereas in the UK, if you say that you're a nutritionist, anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. You, you don't technically need any qualification at all. There are some courses for people to become nutritionists, but in, in Spain, it's a protected title, and you know, you're, you're a registered basically the equivalent of a registered nutritionist over there. Sorry, a registered dietitian. Um, and then you got into food science, um, which is something that I want to talk to you a little bit more about later on. And then later you went and did your master's. And that's where we first met because um, we met each other in Barcelona doing uh, our master's degree in uh, nutrition and metabolism. Um, and basically I've known you since then. So that was like uh, 2014. Um, yeah. And 
a long time ago now. Um, I've long known time ago. <laughs> um, I've known you since then, and basically, I know you as being probably one of my favorite people in the world, and that's kind of <laughs> thank you so much. That's part of the reason I wanted to get you on tonight. Um, but the other reason was um, is because I wanted to talk about plant-based diets, and I wanted to talk about vegan diets, and I thought it would be perfect and a perfect opportunity to speak with somebody who actually follows one of those diets and somebody who I also know and trust as a good evidence-based uh, nutritionist or dietitian. Uh, and that's why I really, really wanted to, to get you on for this. Um, and I suppose before we, we move into the rest of the conversation, um, I wanted to ask, what was it that made you decide to get into um, plant-based diets yourself? I guess that the first reason was ethics, um, because I I am very empathic with animals, and whenever I see uh, an animal suffer, I just cannot um, like separate myself sometimes. And when I when I started studying food science, I had to learn all these processes, and every time I would have animal products in front of me that would remind me of all those images and processes and literally it was not um, possible for me to continue eating this, those products. It would remind me of that. So I guess that the first reason was 100% ethical. Okay. And, and so ethics, so like there, there's obviously numerous reasons that somebody would want to go and let, let's speak uh, talk about a vegan diet for the moment. There's there's a number of reasons that somebody would want to go vegan, and I think um, that ethical reasons are, are quite possibly one of the most compelling reasons to go um, vegan. Because I, I think um, animal cruelty uh, and animal exploitation is a, a serious reality, and people need to consider it. Um, whether that's enough to sway people to to not eat animal products is, is a completely different matter, um, but it is definitely something worth considering. What are some of the other reasons that you you kind of experience or that you you hear regularly for people deciding to go um, plant based or vegan? Well, I guess that uh, after some years of following a vegan diet, I also found out that um, animal production also is very polluting and uh, uses lots of resources, water. Um, so it has a lot of um, problems related with envir environment. So I guess that environmental issues are another huge reason for going plant-based as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's, it's not supporting the way we are producing animal products right now. I, I would agree. And I, I think, you know, just with the, the population that we have on earth at the moment, the amount of people that we have kind of um, producing enough animal products to, to support that population, is, it's not easy with the, you know, um, with the environmental constraints that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and then something that <clears throat> a lot of people tend to, to think about as well when they're thinking about reasons to go on a vegan diet and something that you haven't mentioned yet um, would be the, the health reasons for for going on um, uh, a, a predominantly vegan diet, um, and just before we get into the health reasons or, or the health reasons somebody might might use for going vegan, 
we've mentioned vegan diets a lot in this. We also mentioned plant-based diets at the beginning. I was wondering if you might be able to kind of to tell us the difference in, in your opinion or in your understanding between a, a plant-based diet and a vegan diet. Yeah, I in my opinion vegans and vegetarians are people who choose to give up animal products or yeah, give up animal products because of ethics and environmental reasons and people who follow a plant-based diet they only focus on um on a diet level uh vegetarians and vegans also consider clothing or cosmetics and a plant-based diet is a term more for people who who are worried about food uh sorry health and who want to increase the amount of plant-based foods in their daily diet. Absolutely. I would say that is like I I think that's that's a really really important distinction to make um in that you have uh people who are considering like let's say the plant-based side of things with people considering their health they they're just in it for for the health reasons whereas in the vegan side of things we've got the uh let's say more dogmatic views around um animal cruelty or environmental politics where it comes down to a a decision of conscience and ju- just kind of from my own experience i find that a lot of people when they're making decisions based around um like ethics things can tend to become very very religious like i mentioned things can become very very dogmatic and people can become very very um strongly opinionated about their 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 beliefs when it comes to a a certain practice um, um that's definitely definitely an issue when when it comes to veganism uh the black and white mentality that we find in in many other places but yeah veganism is one of them and i guess it's not very positive for the movement i i always try to respect all the decisions and as in my opinion or how i understand this there's people who are very concerned about recycling for example people who are very concerned about animals people who are very concerned about other issues and we are all trying to do our best as human beings so we'd better not judge ourselves and just learn from others or get inspired no, that would be a more positive way of promoting veganism i guess no I, I, absolutely i think um being judgmental in any movement is 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 not ideal and it's it's certainly not a a, a good way to endear other people to to a particular mm-hmm. movement um but I, also if you, if you let me say something i kind of understand vegans who are at that point because um when you see some kind of videos or the first time you find the reality of animal cruelty you get very angry and anger is not reasonable <laughs> so at that stage of of the vegan transition i kind of understand them too then i guess you you try to be more positive and you try to focus on on the benefits of 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 being a vegan instead of um trying to to i don't know judge everyone for eating animal products it was uh, just the short function <laughs> no i i think that that's probably one of the the best comments i've ever heard that 
anger <laughs> is not reasonable and it's it's very very true <laughs> anger anger is just it's not constructive people don't think mm-hmm. when they're angry they make rash decisions they make rash comments when they're angry um and i think that could that leads to and that leads to problems in in all aspects of life like even if we're not speaking about you know veganism or diet or anything like that anybody who's angry if they're making a decision in an angry state it's probably not going to be the best decision yeah. and at some point you just realize that when you want to promote something or you want people to understand you um you just have to find another place to express it i i think that is a, is a point um one one thing so we we kind of defined what what constitutes a plant based diet and what constitutes a, a vegan diet but if we talk about plant based diets what would you consider to be some of the the main benefits for people going plant based so when a client comes to me and also i want to say that most of my clients are not vegans nor they want to become vegans they just want to include more plant based foods in their diet they they want to discover this plant based lifestyle what i teach them first of all are all the different food groups that are important the plant based food groups then the ingredients in each of these groups and then how to combine these foods properly the proportion of these foods after that I probably teach them some new recipes and ways to cook these foods and yeah I would say this is like the flow that that I follow with clients also one very important aspect of vegan diets especially is supplementation and I would say that I I make sure that my clients take B12 supplements if they decide to give up animal products completely because um, why, why the focus so B12 is something that we hear about a lot when it comes to to vegan diets and why the necessity or why the focus on on B12 as as a supplement well i focus on B12 a lot because there's a lot of misinformation a lot of people think that they can get B12 from from sources that are not uh, appropriate like um nutritional yeast or um some algae products or fermented products um some foods are fortified with B12 and you can maybe get enough B12 from this kind of foods but i don't recommend this option because it's always more expensive than just supplementing and also this kind of foods are more processed and you have to include a lot of this processed foods in order to get enough b12 so i think a better strategy is just to go for a supplement it's one or two supplements a week it's cheaper and with b12 what i try to um explain to my clients so that they understand the issue with b12 is that it's a vitamin that is synthesized by um uh a bacteria that used to live in in the ground and the water and we got it from different sources but since we we start producing foods in a more intensive way using pesticides and also because of pollution this bacteria cannot live in in this um natural environment anymore 
So in animal foods, uh, we supplement their diets. That's why animal foods have B12. So if you're vegan, you will have to supplement yourself directly. And this is very important to understand because sometimes B12 is also an issue in people who are not vegans nor vegetarians, people who consume animal products, but because it's a very difficult to absorb kind of vitamin, sometimes you can get issues with um, even when you are consuming animal product too. So you will have to supplement it too. Absolutely. And, and there's absolutely no, uh, just because a, a diet is omnivorous or contains animal products or, or uh, meat doesn't mean that it's, it's automatically going to have all of the nutrients that somebody needs. Um, so you mentioned B12. Are there any other supplements that you, you regularly consider when you're, you're dealing with your clients? Um, I think the rest of the nutrients can, can be uh, added to the diet with food. But sometimes omega-3s um, are an option for some kind of clients, especially pregnant women. Um, and then vitamin D, if you're not getting enough sun, which is very common. And then probiotics sometimes, if you are having some trouble in the transition when you are adding more fiber to your diet, or maybe you're coming from uh, a health condition that uh, has affected your digestive system. But I would say B12 is the one that I never negotiate with my clients, I, as I said before. But And, and the rest of, of the supplements, I really look into each case and I, I decide if it's necessary or not. Absolutely. Um, and, and just like from my own experience with working with my, my clients, um, I, I tend not to su use a lot of supplements at all just because I, I do like to focus on diet as um, the source of people's nutrients as much as possible. But I'm also mm -hmm. completely aware that some um, nutrients are much easier to supplement with people depending on what they like in their diet or what or their activity level. So some things that are not negotiable for me usually would be things like vitamin D because like as you know here in the UK and in Ireland where a lot of my clients are, we we don't get sun, um, and even then when we do get it, you know, we're talking about a couple of days a year uh, and people you know, yeah. getting, getting sunburned for, you know, a couple of hours. It's not really sufficient to produce enough vitamin D. And we know that, you know, it's just not realistic to get it from, as a dietary source. So I, I recommend vitamin D a lot. I do recommend a lot of um, omega-3 supplements. And then, you know, if it's uh, somebody who's omnivorous, um, that's usually fish oils. For, and if it's a vegan client, I usually go with the algal oil supplements just because yeah. they're longer chain um and then you know if i am working with vegan clients yeah b12 is always my my definite uh go-to for to, to make sure that people have and like you know as you mentioned it's really really important to remember that you know very few diets are going to be perfect um and there are going to be situations where you're going to need to supplement certain things um and i think some people have a um a problem with supplementation they almost think like it's it's unnatural or it's not something that they should do but i i think that's mm -hmm. That's almost an, an inhibiting way of, of looking at, uh, at supplements, yeah. I think it's great to have both options. For example, with omega-3s, I, I know that if you add one or two tablespoons of flax seeds every day, 
you can get enough omega-3s. Also, if you make sure that you are not getting a, lots of uh, processed foods so that your omega-6 is also in balance. Um, you can just get enough omega-3s with flax seeds or chia seeds, but sometimes maybe you go through a period of more stress, more exercise, or you just don't want to buy flax seeds for some reason. So having the, the supplement option is also um, good for, for some people. So you can decide what do you want to do. Absolutely. Um, you, you just mentioned, um, let's say, the added stress of having a lot of exercise in your diet. Um, and do you often consider um, there to be a lot of difference in the approaches that you use if you're working with somebody who has, let's say, a very, very high energy output, like somebody who might be an athlete and, you know, a standard, um, a standard, let's say, normal person, whatever that means, uh, who just mm. wants to, to follow a healthier diet. Do you, do you have a different a way of approaching each person? Yeah, I have worked with athletes and definitely when you work with someone who uses their body professionally, um, they have very uh, concrete goals and nutrition can definitely help achieve those goals faster if you if you really um, play with the macros of macronutrients um, if you give more um, antioxidants or omega threes sometimes through supplementation um, because they're energy expenditure is really, really high or their their um, activity levels are very high. So I would say the difference between an athlete and a normal person would be that when you work with an athlete, you are more strict with uh, numbers, proportions, calories, macros, just because you are trying to reach a, a very specific goal and because there's a lot of pressure in achieving that but in normal people you know eating has to be something more mm -hmm. um, functional uh, enjoyable and flexible so I, I don't think that an athlete can can spend a very long period of time uh, putting so much attention in their diet because that's not healthy mm, if that makes sense so no, you I, can definitely use nutrition to achieve a goal for a short period of time and give a lot of attention and detail to everything you eat. But eventually you really have to let go of that. No, I, I completely agree. Um, and it's, I think it's something that I, I observe a lot, um, again, with my own clients in that if I'm working with, again, inverted commas, normal clients, um, <laughs> we're just there to, to kind of improve their health, health to improve their eating habits, I tend to be a lot less strict with them than I would be with an athlete. Just because an athlete usually has a very, very definite goal, that's usually time constrained. So for example, they might have a powerlifting or weightlifting competition coming up in a few weeks time, and they need to make a certain weight for that competition. So you've got a very, very definite deadline. Whereas when you're working with somebody from a health perspective, your, your long-term goal is to make their diet healthier and to make that person's entire 
lifestyle healthier. And I think helping somebody develop a better relationship with food and a more relaxed and a more flexible relationship with food should yeah. be part of that. You know, so and the magic, the, sorry, the magic word is sustainable too, because it can be healthy, it can be many things, but if you cannot sustain that in the long term, then you won't see the benefits. Exactly. Um, and and I, I think that's important. Like that, a diet, a long-term health-promoting diet needs to be sustainable. Um, yeah. You know, you can look at a weight, a weight loss diet or you can look at a diet for an athlete trying to get to a competition. For a short period of time, there may be a mm -hmm. stage where that's not a, a long-term sustainable diet. But for a short term, it might be acceptable to help them get their goals. But again, yeah, a, a nutritionist really really needs to think Yeah. Long term, what's what's the yeah. end game with this client? Um, I think that's a yeah. And, that's I, a, and I would, I would say that when you work with an athlete, at some point you have to treat him uh, or her as a normal person. So no. they they have like their meal plan for the competition or for the the goal, but then you have to treat them as a normal people and and give them the meal plan for the long term results. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people would, would call it a, an exit strategy for, for an athlete. So you have an athlete, despite the fact that you're, you're working quite strict towards a goal, when you get there, you don't just leave them there. You don't say, okay, well done. Bye-bye. <laughs> nice you know, to meet you. <laughs> exactly. It was fun. Um, but like the, the whole point then is to, to help them get from that stage into, into that sustainable, healthy lifestyle approach where they can, they can work with a certain diet long term and that they're not going to get into for for you know you know if we're thinking in a worst case scenario some sort of disordered eating where they don't know what to do because the last thing you want to do is leave somebody in a state where they're all they know is diet 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 yeah. um, and they don't know how to yeah. maintain which is living basically they don't know how mm -hmm. to live help people mm -hmm. One one thing that you you mentioned is so you obviously have let's say a more numbers based approach when you're working with with athletic clients, but then with people who are focusing on a more sustainable approach, um, what kind of approach do you use with them initially? Um, well, as I said, I I introduce them all the food groups that are important in a plant based diet, and I would say that I mention of course whole grains legumes, vegetables. I like to divide vegetables in different like subcategories because that make it's a way to force the client to include variety in okay. their diet. So for example, I, I divide uh, vegetables into cruciferous vegetables, greens, and then all the other vegetables like tomatoes or peppers, etc. Tubers as well, potatoes with potatoes and healthy sources of fat and for that i use my avocado <laughs> <laughs> so i i try to explain all these different food groups and and then i make sure that my clients know how to differentiate between processed foods and foods that remain natural in their natural form and also uh, keep all this nutritional value And also I try to make sure that they can see all the shades of, of this because uh, processing a food is not a black or white process too. So we have some processed foods that 
don't lose all, all the nutritional value and that make the food easier to prepare and to eat. So this is also useful for, for them to know. And one thing that I like doing is uh, also helping helping them with all the logistics of cooking or doing the groceries, giving them ideas on how to make the cooking process more efficient, I guess, because some people don't have time. And this is a, a huge challenge for them when they are trying to eat more healthily. Uh, if they don't have time, they, they tend to go for more processed foods and, they really don't know how to include all these healthy foods and prepare them in a fast, easy way. So okay. I try to help them with that. I, I, I think that is something that's incredibly important because like, if you, do, if you do have people who are going from, let's say, a standard diet to a diet that's more plant-based or less processed, um, there's usually a, a quite a, a steep learning curve for a lot of people when it comes mm -hmm. to both preparing food and choosing the right types of food and and even just knowing how to prepare meals efficiently because a lot of people don't think about that but you know if you consider it if if you could have the best diet in the world and if it's not easy for you to prepare um, or if it's not easy for you to apply to your daily life you're not going to follow it you're just going to say like well you know yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to eat like you know seven or eight portions of vegetables a day but I don't know how to cook them so I'll just have a pack of Oreos instead. You have to be um, able to execute your meal plan, otherwise it will never work. So what kind of strategies do you use for helping people with, with preparing food like that? I guess I have different uh, meal plan versions, and it depends on the profile of client that I'm working with. Some clients um, know lots of different ingredients and when you mention chia seeds they they don't um freak out <laughs> they are used to hearing these kind of ingredients so when i work with this kind of clients i know that i can experiment with um more recipes or um, i can i can give them like a more advanced meal plan but if i'm working with someone who comes from a completely um, processed diet or from from like a, a very starting point then I will work with very simple recipes and also I will try to give them different tools to um, to cook in the microwave for example or steam vegetables in the microwave or use a pressure cooker to cook meals um, in a short period of time or I will give them food combinations that are very easy to prepare and I will ask them to just save a couple of hours during the weekend to prepare some of the main recipes that they can use throughout the week. So those are some of the strategies that I that I will use. I love um, giving them like different tools that are not conventional that, but that can really make your life more, um, well, easier. I, I, I think that's, that's a really fantastic strategy to use with people because um, like just the fact that you said there's some, some tools that are not so conventional. Like so, so one thing that I use that I don't think a huge amount of people use um, 
is I, I use a slow cooker. Um, and it's such a, a useful piece of equipment and it's so cheap. It's, it's like here in the UK, you can get one for, for maybe 20, 25 pounds, which is not a lot of money. Um, I use it every week. I throw all of my vegetables in there. Um, I put in some spices and whatever, and I leave it cooked for the day, come back at night. My house smells amazing of food, and I've got all of these meals for the rest of the week, or I can freeze them. I love that. Yeah, it's, and it's so useful. And some people are, just aren't familiar with, you know, for example, like you, you mentioned, uh, I mentioned slow cooking, you mentioned a pressure cooker, uh, you mentioned microwave cooking. If somebody isn't familiar with that particular way of cooking, it, it's not an option for them. So it, yeah, that, definitely. But once you teach them about that, you're, you're giving them more options, you're giving them more variety and more different ways that they can, they can make this diet work for them. And I, I think that's hugely important um, for people. I think one, one thing that is really useful for my clients when, when I get the feedback from them and I know that what they really like about my meal plans is that I include um, these different tools or cooking tools in the meal plan. So I will mention how to cook each, um, each ingredient or group of ingredients in the meal plan, plan itself. And that makes it easier for them to prepare the food. And also, of course, uh, giving them a grocery list, things that just make eating healthier easier. Yeah, I like, so here in the UK, there's almost a, a movement that's against meal plans. Um, <laughs> Just because I know that amongst nutritionists, technically nutritionists in the UK aren't allowed to, to, to uh, prescribe meal plans, whereas a dietitian is. Um, so that would be, you know, your, your position in, in, in Spain. Um, but they're so, they can be so beneficial for some people who have literally no idea what to eat. So if you can say, look, try this for breakfast, try this for lunch, try this for dinner, and then you give them flexibility within that, and you give them advice on how to prepare that, you're giving them the shopping lists. All of these tiny little things help people to, to put everything together and, and make it actually happen. And I think that's yeah. really important for, for a lot of people. Yeah, um, and also, you, you know that because you work with clients too. You cannot use the same strategy with all your clients because they are all different. So sometimes you find people who are ready for flexibility and what they really need is maybe reliable information or more recipes. But sometimes you find these people that really need to stick to a very um, defined meal plan so that in a few months or even weeks, they can add flexibility and feel safe with that. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like... Uh training wheels on a diet is, is giving somebody meal exactly. plan and then introducing yeah. that flexibility as, as people move forward. I think that's hugely important. Um, so like we've spoken about like some of the different strategies that you use when you're working with clients yourself. Um, one thing that I kind of want to get into the specifics of was the, so we, we mentioned earlier that a, a plant-based diet is very, very much a health focused diet, whereas a vegan diet is very, very much a diet based around uh, beliefs and do doctrine. And one thing that I, you mentioned to me before was that a plant-based diet is, uh, sorry, a, a vegan diet is not necessarily a healthy diet. And I was wondering yeah. if you could be able to elaborate on that a little bit. 
yeah i guess that a lot of people um try to well they become vegans because they uh, they have all these ethical or environmental reasons but they know nothing about nutrition this is very common and also it easy to understand because you know that um nutrition is uh something that uh, i mean we get thousands of articles published every day week and if you really want to stay updated and to know something you have to be an expert on it so it's it's very common to find people who who go vegan but they never consider health so what they do is they they try to substitute all these animal products for products that look similar but in a vegan version and the vegan version of all these foods is very processed so when you change your omnivorous diet for a vegan diet that is full of processed foods you are probably increasing the amount of refined sugars refined flours um you are not getting all these antioxidants from from fruits and vegetables or the fiber so you're changing your diet by removing some foods but the ones that are substitute substituting this um, foods um they have a very low nutritional value so yes you can definitely have uh follow you can definitely follow a vegan diet and that is not healthy absolutely um and i think kind of one of the the examples i always go back to is uh and it's just as an example um and possibly an unfair one but oreos for example which are a completely vegan product but you know nobody would consider oreos to be a staple component of a a healthy diet um like I, you mentioned to me before uh, an oreo can have its place in a diet but it definitely you don't want it to be to make up the main component of that um mm-hmm. so like if we if we consider that we're thinking about like um an unhealthy vegan diet as being one that is focused on a lot of highly processed foods so we can think of like highly processed grains sugars maybe some refined oils it's still vegan it's still animal product free but it's not exactly health promoting but then if we go to the other side of the the spectrum and we look at a a well balanced plant based diet what is it about a plant based diet that is promoting health So when you increase the amount of plant-based foods in your diet you are also increasing the amount of fiber which is very necessary for for um the health of our digestive system and also the microbiome of our gut and we are also increasing the antioxidants that come from fruits and vegetables and the vitamins and the minerals um that are found in all this this plant-based foods and that are really necessary so i would say that antioxidants and fiber are the two main uh nutrients that are that make a plant-based diet very <clears throat> beneficial for our health because Absolutely. we increase these nutrients Absolutely and i think w- one thing that you and i are quite familiar with just because of the 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 master's degree that we did together um in Barcelona mm-hmm. obviously there was a huge focus and when i say focus i mean brainwashing um about <laughs> the uh, the mediterranean diet and the benefits of the mediterranean diet 
And and when we think about it, um, like if we think about what causes all of the the benefits of a Mediterranean diet, we we could my my God, we could do an entire podcast just about why Mediterranean diets are good. But we're we're talking about like reduced risk of heart disease, reduced risk of diabetes, um, reduced risk of uh, cognitive decline as people aging, huge amounts of benefits for health. Mm-hmm. But if we look closely at why those benefits are, or where those benefits are coming from, the vast majority are coming from plant-based food. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think that's hugely important because if we think of the Mediterranean diet, we can consider it to be a plant-based diet, but it's not necessarily a plant-exclusive diet. Is that right? Yeah, I, I like to to say that uh, and to my clients. So when... If you are, if you want to follow a plant-based diet just for health reasons, you don't necessarily have to exclude, um, com- completely exclude animal products. There's a space for for them in a healthy and balanced diet. It's just that um, the amount of plant-based foods that we need to add to our diets daily is is really high. And we, we sometimes are underestimating the power of these foods. And when you add enough of the plant-based diet, the, the space that is left for animal products is not that high, just because there's no space in your stomach <laughs> for, for, those, for those foods. I mean, adding more fruits and vegetables to our diets is um, one of the best ways to, to make our diet healthier but of course there's there's a place for for more um processed foods or celebrations and and parties and also for animal products it's just that we have to learn how to balance these different food groups no I, i i absolutely agree and um i mentioned to you this before that um when it comes to nutrition science you know my, my opinions do change when i'm presented with new information. So like, you know, my, my, my opinions on nutrition have changed considerably over the years. But one thing that has never changed is usually my, what I consider to be my, my go-to piece of health advice, my number one mm-hmm. piece of health advice, which is eat more vegetables and, you know, eat more mm-hmm. fruit and vegetables if you want. Um, because I just think there are so many benefits to be had. And, you know, it's they're almost self-limiting in the amount that you can eat. So you're not going to eat to excess more yeah. than like It's really yeah. difficult to overeat them. Yeah, and, and then, you know, adding in, you know, some other foods around that very, very nutrient-dense plant base is a perfect way to, to have a, a balanced diet. And, and those can be, you know, they can be like some like some processed foods. They can be some um, animal-based foods as well. And, you know, you can still maintain a perfectly healthy diet with that. Yeah. Um, and also, sorry, I, I, I want to add that, Uh, it's very difficult to define the perfect diet for a human being because there is a lot of controversy and also it's very difficult to analyze it from a historical point of view, like to, to study our diets throughout the years, etc. Because I think that one of the great things about the human body is that it can adapt to many situations. Uh, so it's it's really difficult to say what is the best diet for a human being. But if there's one thing that all nutritionists will agree on is that adding more fruits and vegetables is great. So just um, keep that in mind. Uh, absolutely. It, it's, it's the one thing that all, yeah. all <laughs> I'm going to say this, it's the one thing that all 
sensible, legitimate, evidence-based yeah. <laughs> practitioners have, have, have in common because I know, unfortunately, there are some dietary movements. I know. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> We're not going to talk about those. Um, one thing before I get on to the last part of this conversation is, um, so somebody asked me uh, about this. They mentioned it on in the questions in the live earlier was about a, a certain documentary um, that appeared recently and I just want to kind of get this out of the way very very quickly so everybody's heard of the Game Changers documentary um, it's a, um, a documentary about plant-based diets for um, health and athletic performance and I spoke to you about this and you'd never heard of it is that right no <laughs> maybe I should but no no and I, I think what I said to you was that's fine yeah. you're better not having seen it um, because <laughs> So I, I just think thought it was really, really relevant because, you know, you're obviously, you're a, a, a plant-based and, you know, you follow a plant-based diet yourself, but you don't, you probably wouldn't consider um, a documentary on television to be a particularly good source of information or a good way to make a decision about a diet, potentially. Mm, some documentaries are fine for... Um maybe getting more conscious on environmental problems, ethical problems um, related to food industry. But when it comes to health, yeah, maybe I haven't found one that I would say, yeah, this one has like reliable information in it and everything that's being said is, is great. Maybe it's because I haven't seen the right one watched the the right one but i would say that definitely a wrong approach on promoting vegan plant-based vegetarian diets is trying to 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 say all the bad things about animal products i would definitely focus on the benefits of following this kind of diets because um at the end of the day you want to um you don't want to judge people for their decisions. And as I said before, um, we are all trying to do our best. And and maybe I have chosen a plant-based diet or a vegan diet because I am more conscious on about ethics and environmental reasons, but uh, other people are more conscious about things that I have not even considered. So... I think it's more important to find a way to inspire people and to just try to focus on the positive things. And it's not hiding the the bad things because they are there and it's a reality, but definitely um, there are more reliable ways to promote veganism. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I, I think focusing on, on the good parts of a vegan diet are fantastic. And, you know, like, like I, I've, I've said to people when like I, I did a, a little review of the, um, of that particular documentary myself, and I said, you know, it would have been great if it focused on the benefits of a plant-based diet, of which, you know, we've spoken about some of them here, and there are so many benefits to a plant-based diet, but instead it kind of focused on demonizing um, animal-based foods, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, very much focusing on scaring people about the foods that they're eating instead of encouraging them to eat foods that are beneficial. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's, 
there's definitely um i i would have problems with an approach like that um be just as as we're kind of running out, out of time and I'm very conscious of your time one thing that you mentioned to me um that was a consideration in people who want would want to follow a vegan diet was the possibility that some would want to follow vegan diets just because it justifies a certain amount of restriction in their diet and i was wondering if you might be able to kind of elaborate that for some of the listeners please yeah so unfortunately sometimes i've i have worked with clients who uh are definitely uh trapped in in an eating disorder mentality so they use veg- vegan diets or vegetarian diets as a way to feel feel more comfortable when they reject some kind of food groups or to get more uh comfortable in in situations where they have to eat so that they can justify uh not eating certain foods uh with veganism and vegetarianism because they they will not get <clears throat> maybe asked or confronted for that because they have this justification but uh when i work with this kind of clients i know that um it's very important to to keep in mind that if if someone has an eating disorder you have to find an expert on the field and also what i try to do with this kind of patient is stay um connected to them so because it's better that than leave them on their own i make sure that my my uh advice is is not promoting the eating disorder and yeah it's it's very complicated when we, when we find this this kind of patients no I, I, absolutely um and i think one time uh, previously on this podcast i i spoke with uh, dr eric helms um and he was speaking in the context of eating disorders within uh, bodybuilding competitors and he said that it's mm-hmm. it is quite common for some individuals to try and mask an eating disorder under the guise of a um a bodybuilding preparation or something like that because you can be very very restrictive and it's mm-hmm. accepted within that culture and um i had never considered that you know within something like veganism that was also an option that people could could do they could you know they they may be trying to restrict their diets and becoming vegan is a very very let's say socially acceptable way of of doing that and 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 making that more viable for them um but then the way that they that somebody deals with that is is very important as well and kind of at this point i just want to say so obviously you know your position as a a nutritionist dietitian in spain you're you're basically the equivalent of an a british or an irish registered dietitian so you have a, within your scope of practice you could technically do that if it was your speciality but even you yourself have said that you know your first port of call is to recommend them to um somebody who has more experience or are an expert in that particular field and i think that's something that's hugely important is that because um i i know that this kind of of it's a men- a mental um disorder and this has to be treated by a multidisciplinary team and this is one of the things that you learn at the nutrition degree eating disorders are complicated and they probably have very little to do with food 
more more most of the time so you cannot definitely help that person by giving them a meal plan they need uh other kind of of treatment and that's why i always try at least i try to find um an expert that will help me deal with the patient um if if deriving the patient to a psychologist is to sometimes it's not um an easy like thing to do because the patient of course came for a meal plan mm -hmm. but at least having this support from other specialists is something that i would recommend no absolutely yeah, the situations are really complicated yeah, and I, i would say that that when you have a bad relationship with um with food or with your body any uh choice dietary choice that you make from that uh perspective will probably be uh wrong or not the best for your health No I I I would totally agree. Um a, a an eating disorder is something that is very very serious and you know within the sc scope of uh, a nutritionist in the UK it's not something that we should deal with but as you said something that needs to be dealt with by a multidisciplinary team because it is so complex. Yeah. Um and I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of, you, you mentioned that. Um just before we 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 finish up because I'm really conscious of your time um <laughs> um my english gets worse when i am tired <laughs> well, I, i think i should point this out by the way that anna and i never speak to each other yeah it's true it's a very unusual conversation for me to be having and to be speaking and i'm also incredibly jealous because your english is so ridiculously good it makes me feel self-conscious when i speak to you in spanish Um, no, your Spanish is better. <laughs> But yes, it's super weird to to change the, our main language. <laughs> totally. Um but one one thing I wanted to ask you is what do you think are like some of the, the main issues that a a vegan or somebody following a plant-based diet at the moment needs to deal with in the real world? And when I say the real real world, I mean outside of their own home where they've got full control over over everything. Well, I would say that eating out is something that um has gotten better in the in the last maybe five years, but we still need to give all these vegans and vegetarians who eat out more options because salads are boring sometimes, and when you eat when you go out, you don't want to eat salad so <laughs> I would say that eating out and especially for me because I am allergic to gluten um sometimes is difficult but I'm pretty happy because I I have seen a progress Yeah I I will say things are definitely improving and um if you ever come over to visit here in the UK which I'm constantly asking you to do um you <laughs> that compared to Spain or the options are quite very so like uh, they're still not really good. i i will go <laughs> I, I, <laughs> i have to go i know that some vegans will will definitely disagree but compared to spain things are a lot better over here yeah. and we've got more options um so that's a reason for you to come over um but uh, <laughs> at that and just before we finish up um if people want to follow you or find you online what can they do or where can they find you they can go to my instagram account and they can follow or send me a message that i will be glad to answer and 
you also visit my website if they want. So, and what's your website address? It's uh, greenstinct.com. So that's G-R-E-E-N-S-T-I-N-C-T, greenstinct.com. Exactly, yes. And you're, and you're also greenstinct on Instagram, that's right? Exactly. Fantastic. Yes. Um, Anna, thank you so much for talking to me uh, tonight twice, because this is the second time we have to <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, thank I, you for having me. And I told you it was my first podcast and it was really fun. And thank you so much for, for choosing me. You're also one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> and I love your work. And I know that everything you do is super mm, scientifically reliable. And I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, I, and that's exactly the same reason that I wanted to have you on here. Um, and hopefully we'll get you on again very, very soon. Um, so I'm going to let you go and have a good night. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Okay. See you. Good night. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Health Scientist Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed and maybe even learned something from what we've spoken about today. If you did, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use or maybe even share a link on social media. It really helps the spread word of the podcast and it really means a huge amount to me personally. Uh, if you ever want to watch one of the podcasts live or ask questions to any of our guests, you can do so by following me on Instagram at be more nutrition. That's at b underscore more underscore nutrition. And I'd love to hear your comments and feedback about the podcast. So please comment on the podcast post or feel free to drop me a message directly. And if you ever have a suggestion for a guest that you'd like to hear, please do let me know. I'll be back soon with another podcast. See you then.